This is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 14th, 2009. I always suggest for newcomers to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you'll see all the other sites I have up there. There's a reason for that. I have the big main servers who tend to just twist me off with strange problems which they can never find out uh, the cause of. And if you bookmark those sites there, hopefully you'll be able to download shows regardless of what site is up or down. Somebody somewhere should be working. And you can also see that the whole list is to say cuttingthrough.jenkness.com is really taking the, the load right now because after I mentioned, I think on Wednesday, uh, how terrible ExploreNet was a satellite for uploading, uh, they cut me off at 9 p.m. Uh, ExploreNet uh, simply buys time from Hughes Industries. They own the big satellites for the military. And, of course, uh, what's left over, the waste products, you might say, is sold to the average consumer for a very awful speed and a high price. So, anyway, I mentioned it on the air, and kaboom, uh, down it went. Of course, I'm sure someone in high places, also an old boys' network, uh, had a word with, with the CEO and says, you know, so-and-so's been a bit of a nuisance, one of your clients on ExploreNet. Could you do something about it? And bingo, they did. That's how things work in the real world. So, I might be behind in getting the, the shows up to my websites. You have to bear with me. Don't pound me with letters, ask me what's going on. I'm going to have to do as it is. I run around like a crazy guy all day trying to fix things and find alternate methods of uploading. It's not easy. So having got that out of the way, it's up to you, as I say, to keep me going. And in the first place, I can't afford a whole brand new satellite system, and I'm sure that's what they'll come out here and tell me I need. It's only it's less than two years old, and uh, it was a grand the last time with installation and all the rest of it. And I don't get in that kind of money and therefore I'm in two minds what to do about it altogether. I've given out so much stuff for free over the years and uh, there's only a handful of people bothered to support me. Uh, thousands of people use the information and it ends up on everybody else's sites across the planet but their big thank you is not to even mention where they got all the information from even though much of it is copied verbatim from my sites. That's the real world as well. Sometimes it makes you wonder who you're trying to help in this world, isn't it? Uh, now, for those who simply get the discs or the shows burned by those with the computers and passed to them so they can play in CDs, you can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, the number 1. P3E4N1. Be 
Because I do need your help to keep going. Uh, it's amazing. I've listened to other people have the big, the big uh, money drives, etc., and bring in thousands and thousands and thousands of bucks. It's almost like the, 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 the circus atmosphere it seems to get people motivated, but I'm not really into that kind of showbiz type stuff. Uh, I, I tend to leave it to people to just think for themselves and, and cough up some cash, but it doesn't happen very often. So as I say, I'm thinking what to do and where to go from here and to see if this is enough altogether that I've done. It certainly would have been enough for more people, for most people, a few times over, I can tell you that even physically. I'll be back with more after these messages. through the matrix. What is the matrix? The matrix is the artificial world that you think is real, with all of its opinions, its dogmas, its systems, especially the systems that pre-exist your being born, and how they're perpetuated throughout your lifetime, as they were in your parents' lifetime too, through education and all the reinforcement, they call it. Once they get ideas into your head, fake or true, doesn't matter, they reinforce them by repetition until everyone thinks, when they're having conversations, they're all talking about the same things, they think they're all quite sane because they're, they're talking about the same things with the same opinions, etc., etc. Very easy to create a culture, hold on to it, and then update it when you want to. This, this is very simple. When you, you've got mass media, everyone's getting the same news at the same time. Everyone's getting the, the updated education when they go to school, every generation by generation, and they think everything is all quite normal. Uh, some of the top communist leaders talked about this and said that society could go off in th a thousand directions. But those who were born into the system, which, for instance, the communists had constructed, made sure that they thought the one they were born into could be the only one which could possibly have naturally evolved. That's what happened. So we're always fooled in every age, you might say. Simply by being born into it, your parents can't warn you because they've swallowed it all. They, they don't know either. And then you're born in your lifetime and you accept your parents' points of view, everything is quite natural. And if they wanted your firstborn or secondborn, that'd be quite natural too. Everything, everything can be made natural that you're born into if the adults make no, no stink about it. You accept it, quite simply. And I've talked before about Hollywood and how Hollywood is part of the culture creation industry and how it prepares you for things to come mainly through its, its fictional portrayals of the future. They're always churning out these movies. Remember, too, I've read articles in the past where the Pentagon puts vast sums of money into the making of certain Hollywood movies. Vast sums. Why would the military-industrial complex be interested in having you get a particular view of things? What's well, very important that they give you their view, so that become your opinion on certain things. When you see things, drama, 
and CBC Canada is very good at that. The, the, the government's paid website; they pay for the for the for the TV site and so on. Radio, CBC. It's the same as the BBC in Britain, and they they make sure that everything is always politically correct. And when you see something happening in a docudrama, docudramas, remember, are where they take certain parts of truth about an event, and then they have a drama, an acting, they have actors acting it out. And when you see certain things portrayed in a certain way, the imprinting, especially the emotional imprinting, will stay in your mind. Whereas factual or not doesn't matter. It's the emotional imprinting. We see someone getting beaten up for some reason, it stays in your mind. That's how they use propaganda. And this article here is from the Telegraph. It says, Hollywood's distortion of the truth alters history in the eyes of schoolchildren. Hollywood's habit of portraying or playing with historical facts is leading schoolchildren to get it wrong too. Even if they read the true story in the classroom, a new academic study shows. So, in other words, the, 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 the fictional version with actors will overwrite the truth that they're given from a book, say. That's what it's saying. And this is August uh, the 6th, 2009. It says here, Researchers have found that film is an incredibly powerful tool. Like, they just found this out, right? They've always known this. For teaching children about the past, which can greatly increase historical knowledge. However, it's so powerful that if the facts are wrong, pupils are more likely to believe them, even if they're told otherwise by textbooks or teachers, they say. When films get it right, then children benefit enormously and remember much more detail when later questions, said lead researcher Andrew Butler of Washington University in St. Louis. But when they got it wrong, so did the children. Even if they have read the correct versions in a textbook, they remember what was in the film, not in the book. When information in the film was consistent with information in the text, watching the film clips increased correct recall by about 50% relative to re reading the text alone, he said. In contrast, when information in the film directly contradicted the text, people often falsely recalled the misinformation portrayed in the film, sometimes as much as 50% of the time. Mr. Butler, who published in the journal Psychological Science, recommends that teachers carry on showing films in classrooms but before it starts to make a point of telling the children to look out for particular mistakes. Hollywood stars from Tom Cruise to Denzel Washington as well as British actors like Anthony Hopkins have made films about historical events with glaring factual errors, it said. These include showing Mozart as a spoiled brat in Amadeus when he was not or the Americans cracking top secret Nazi codes in the film U571, when really it was the British. And that's interesting in itself, just, just an, as an offside there. Uh, because they, they make big deals about the codes that they broke in World War II. And uh, how it was supposed to be a machine was smuggled out of Germany to help decode what the Nazis' codes were, what were actually all about. And it was called... Um, I think it was called um, the Venona Codes. Venona is just a scrambled novena. Novena. Never mentioned that in the books. So another er error um, is, um, is made 
in Shekhar Kapoor's 1998 film Elizabeth, Kate Blanchard's ruthless monarch forces her advisor Sir William Cecil into retirement with a peerage when really he stayed at her side until his death. Well, he had to. He had to. See, he was also the, 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 um, the treasurer. You know? And it was he who advised her that once they had uh, defeated the Spanish Armada, uh, that um, they couldn't afford to pay the sailors, therefore that they should anchor the, the fleet offshore, off, uh, offshore, and wait till they starved to death. That was a wonderful Queen Elizabeth I. History truly is different, isn't it, from the fiction that's portrayed? They love to give us stories about the well-to-do. In fact, history, as we're given it, is all about the tyrants, the conquerors, the kings, those who get to the top by any and all means possible but you never see stories about the ordinary people it's just too boring isn't it and they don't really count you might say they really don't count who wants to watch the poverty and misery of the people living in the little houses in merry old England Elizabeth the first day when uh, the queen was walking on oak boards hands on over an inch thick maybe two inches thick standing in front of a big nice fire maybe ten feet wide when the little people were working in their and living in their hovels with straw on the floor covering the mud who wants to do stories about the truth it's not too popular with the upper classes the dominant minority is a column and this is just the way it goes as I say Mark Bard, and I've read it before, but I'll read it again, because it, it follows up on a story I read previously to do with barcodes. They can be read at a distance, and it says, it's July the, uh, 28th, 2009, it says, Radio frequency identification tags are not fully catching on, thanks to objections from, as myself, Alan Watt, Kathleen Albrecht, and others who've been hammering away for years at RFID's threats to privacy and civil liberties for global corporations and the US Department of Homeland Security who remain eager to track individuals that means it's time to shift their efforts back to barcodes the Michigan MIT uh, scientists last week said they'd overcome the barcode's strongest privacy protections it's closed read range and fussy need to be scanned line of sight now using the camera and a mobile phone a spy or a hacker will be able to scan the barcode label on any object or person at an angle up to 60 feet away, and I'll bet you it's a lot more. The MIT scientists are working with grants from uh, Nokia, Samsung, and the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. This, you know, these foundations that help to, you know, get it all working along the right way. Named for its founder, the ruthless auto industry chief, that one reporter counts among Hitler's car makers. Sloan is also a creator through his strategy of planned obsolescence of our modern consumerist culture. Good friend of Bernays. The new barcode labels called Bocodes can be made tiny and imperceptible. Each is about three millimeters in diameter. Here's an excerpt from the BBC. For traditional barcodes, you need to be a foot away from it at most, said Mr. Mohan. The team has shown its barcodes can be read from a distance up to four meters, 12 feet, although they should theoretically work up to 20 meters, which is 60 feet. 
one way of thinking about it is a long distance barcode and there's more links there you can, you can look at as well and I read the previous article uh, about a week ago on this or, a week, or two weeks ago uh, and this, this really will catch on there's no doubt about it they're determined you know, to go step by step to barcodes and then to chip you it's so obvious isn't it most folk won't mind being chipped today most folk really won't mind a lot of them I heard this years ago by a man who's dead now he was killed by the authorities but he did say that a lot of people there's a lot of people out there who love socialism the ones who don't like risk taking the ones who don't like making decisions the ones who like the, the, the thought there's all these safety nets and social workers ready to help them out they will love socialism right to the trenches where they're shot I'll be back with more after these messages Hi folks, this is Alan Watt we're cutting through the matrix you know, socialism, Fabian style, planned to take countries over and then blocks and then the entire world a long time ago. That was the plan. And anyone who's looked into the Fabian history should know that by now for those who care to look into it. And their whole idea was to allow some countries to try communist revolutions, they would fund it because the same boys who worked in the Fabian Society also worked with the communists. Yeah, Professor Carl Quigley admits that too, that often, for instance, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, is, is, was often funding or part of or included high-ranking communist members in the United States and other countries. And he said that we work with everyone. The Council on Foreign Relations works with everyone. Socialist, communist, and so on. Because in, under the Fabian technique, you see, it's intergenerational, incremental changes until down a hundred years, you can literally turn a culture upside down and introduce little rules and laws along the way that amount to millions of pages of laws by the end of a hundred years. And because people get a little bit at a time, they accept it, we adapt to it, adaptation. And so they would allow the communist society to go ahead and rapidly, through bloodshed, take over whole countries, amalgamate them under a big union, and then give them a standardized education, knowing that 70 years down the road, they'd start to bring down the wall, etc., that wasn't even built then, when they first started off with the Fabians and merged the two systems together. That came out with the Rees Commission that was commissioned by the US Congress. That these big foundations seemed to be funding what seemed to be communist groups. Some of them were. But Fabianism technically is a communist system. Communism, socialism, Fabianism is all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Except that Fabianism was going to do things slowly incrementally through governments and through infiltration of governments uh, uh, by generations and that's why you'll see the top Fabians today are generally intergenerational from the same families and they've been very successful with what they do not only politicians but they had to make sure that the Fabians got into the high offices of the bureaucracies high-level bureaucrats very important and it's and across the world now you have Fabians in place. 
So the long haul, like the tortoise, has achieved it. You know, the rabbit has run his race, but um, the tortoise won in the end, basically. It's all around us. Now, socialism, communism, Fabianism is an elitist idea. It was never born from the people at the bottom, the grassroots. But they knew they had to use the grassroots to help them get there. So they pretended to be for the working man and stuff like that, to give you rights. And they did speak up for the workers all over and over and over, but you have to go into their older records and hear what George Bernard Shaw, for instance, one of the founders of the Fabian Society, said their goal was. See, they looked at all the poverty, etc., and they didn't say, well, it's because there's not enough work, etc. They said, no, there's too, too many poor people, and they wanted a planned society, how things should really be run, a planned society where government ordered everything, everything in life, everybody and everything. And, as I say, since 2001, it's never become so plain. This, this particular movement and come out in, into the open as it has today. Tony Blair, for instance, was a member, is a member of the Fabian Society lifelong. So is Mr. Brown, the present Prime Minister of Britain. And you'll find other members in the US and across the planet in high level positions too. Because they, they all belong to it, because they have the same goal. They believe an intelligentsia should rule the world. And they, obviously, since they've done their apprenticeships through the Fabian Society and parted all their different plans, etc., and they can parrot to each other all the same stuff, then naturally they should be the elites to run the ordered system, this communistic system, which is now called collectivism, a collectivistic type society. And they also believe they could eventually run the world's money supply by regulation and treaties through, through, through governments and treaties by governments to other governments, etc. And they would set up the World Bank and the IMF. And, and they have no problem with the existing financial elites running those things at all. They have no problems with that at all. They believe they've also earned the right to be leaders in that area. So the big bankers and the Fabians are really all mixed together. They're all one, you see, on board with the same thing. And they want a future where, as I say, technocrats and um, the experts run the world, they run everything to do with life on the planet, everybody's life. They, they want a world where, uh, because we're all so dumb and stupid at the bottom, you can't choose a career for yourself. No, you must take the career they will eventually pick for you at a very early age. And that's all they'll train you in. If they decide you're going to be a plumber, that's all you're going to learn. You don't need history, geography. You don't need to know anything about anything else. That's the real goal, eventually. The real goal is still to come down off school to work. Much more efficient, they say, and cost-effective. These guys are nutty about cost-effectiveness as they squander our money by the billions. But here they are getting into... I mean, here's politics getting into business, even in, in this way. These control freaks, you see. And again, using an idea that their own members dreamt up. Saving the environment to do it. They won't tell you how much you can eat and what supermarkets should not sell you. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about how government now is so cocky and sure about itself. And no wonder, after all, they've put so many laws through since 2001. They're on a roll, and people are accepting them all. They're ex accepting cameras everywhere. They're accepting they have no privacy. They're accepting that they're followed everywhere by cameras and helicopters in the sky across Britain. Uh, and that uh, integrated circuits are, are, are of cameras across whole countries are all put together from villages, towns, railways, everything. You can't go anywhere without being watched. Stuff like that. Now, that's what you get under police states. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. This is the only, it's only places you've seen this before in history is under a police state. And it's worse than any police state across the world than we've ever seen in history. Worse, much, much worse. And strange, too, in an era when we're supposed to be broke, we've been raped and plundered by the banks, then raped and plundered by the governments to bail out the banks, that the government's still throwing billions of dollars at more and more and more cameras and security and so on, and getting more and more of these buildings built to observe people in every town across, basically, the Western Hemisphere where the groups of people just sit and watching screens all the time. Or if you drop litter, they actually shout at you. They shout at you, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, just like George Orwell's 1984. See the black and white version, it's excellent, made in 1984 itself. And here we are with it, and people think it's, they want to believe, see, people will want to believe it's for their safety, and that's just incredible because you don't put this kind of intrusion into people's lives to keep them safe. You do it because you're either paranoid about the public or you really want to intimidate them, or both. Intimidation changes the behavior of everyone when you know you're being watched. You can't be spontaneous because you're always on camera. Always. But here's government getting into private business again. And that's Fabianism as well. Buy one, get one free offers of food should be scrapped by supermarkets to save immense food wastage, say ministers, that's politicians. They call them ministers over there. 11th of August 2009. Supermarkets buy one, get one free offers should be scrapped and replaced with half-price offers ministers have said, the politicians have said. The measure would be one way of slashing the amount of food binned in the UK every year. So-called BOGOF offers, B-O-G-O-F offers and loss leaders where supermarkets sell products for less than they pay for them to get customers through the doors are contributing to an increase in carbon emissions. Do you realize we're going to be like skeletons before these guys are finished? And it won't be enough. We're going to be neutered, sterilized skeletons. And it still won't be enough till we croak and die. I hope you believe that, because that, that's the truth. That's the truth. How do you think that when he hits a target of 80-odd percent reduction in carbon dioxide in the coming 20-odd years, how do you think that will be achieved? 
If they're admitted themselves, it can only be done by mass culling of the public. I read an article last week where Ted Turner talked about it the year previously. They're not kidding. It says supermarket office, or office uh, offers are being blamed for people throwing away more than 4 billion tons of food a year. It's estimated that cutting out unnecessary wastage would be equivalent to removing one-fifth of traffic from the UK's road. See how they work it all out? <laughs> they work it all out with all these statistics and so on. Banning such offers and repackaging food in a variety of sizes to cater for single people as well as couples and families would also promote healthy living and improve the nation's diets. Okay. And the government's waste watchdog estimates that 4.1 million tons of food is thrown away every year, an average cost of 420 pounds per household. No kidding, eh? No kidding. Do much stuff rots in the ground every year? Have you ever gone across forests, for instance? Most folk, you see, unfortunately, live in cities. A forest to them is, is the park, generally the, the city park. And they think you just stroll through a forest like you do in the park. They also think that, that places like Canada is devoid of all forests because of massive cutting. I'll tell you one thing. When you come up here, you'll see you can't just have a stroll through a forest. You have to cut your way through a forest. It's so thick. And most of that stuff can't raise up. All, all these little saplings, six feet high, seven feet high, whatever, are competing with other ones to get up to the sun. They strangle each other. Lots of them die. And they rot. Just rot. How much do you think that gives off as it's all rotting? So, what I'm tell you is, all this stuff about food is bullshit. They have a different agenda. A different agenda altogether. And it's nothing to do with global warming at all. I wonder if they give them Nazi officers' uniforms, these characters, like Hillary Benn in Britain, who speaks on behalf of the, the government in this area. <laughs> ben says shoppers should throw away less food. I bet, I bet he puts away a lot of food. I bet he's a nice podgy man himself. I bet you he has with ten courses in, in his meals at the big fancy meetings he attends all the time. See, it's nothing to do with, with the, the excess food. They want to bring everything down and down and down because food and water is going to control you and make you cower even more and be more subservient to these characters, these pseudo-masochistic control freaks. Uh, I think we've got Steve in England on the line. Are you there, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Alan. Hi. How are you doing? Um, hanging in under all these different attacks I have. <laughs> oh, okay, folks. Basically, I just wanted to say more to the audience. Um, here I am in the northeast of England. Um, I, I've got almost illegal tires on my car. Mm -hmm. And every month I try and send by mail just five quid, which I had a lot more than a dollar. I wish I could send a dollar. Mm -hmm. Just send one dollar, please, because you've got to help this guy out. He's, he's the only brown person that really kind of makes sense. 
Okay, Alan, that's really what I wanted to say. And, you know, just hang in there, mate, okay? I will do, and don't get caught with those tires, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be out for 20 years. <laughs> Thank, okay. Thanks for calling. It's incredible. I saw a, a panorama disc. I can't watch anything here in high speed, even though I'm paying for it all the time, and I have no service at all. But, um,. Someone sent me a disc on Panorama, who had done a, a documentary about Britain and the most spied-upon country in the, in the planet so far, but we're all catching up. And everywhere you went, uh, and you couldn't believe these police helicopters with the guys in the black outfits, just like that movie that, um, was it um, Thunderbird or something, or it was years and years ago, showing you what the future was going to come to. Uh, Blue Thunder or something, it was called. Uh, but the, the cops and these choppers and how they're using all this, these GPS satellite tracking stuff, even tracking license plates, they lock onto them and track you wherever you go. But at the end, uh, the reporter, the panorama reporter, was driving along and you saw this little gadget about a foot wide flying in the air beside him on these drones, little square looking thing with, with propeller blades on it and a camera pointing at him. That's what they've got out there now too. I mean, is, 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 road, is that the main crime across the country? Road crime? No, that's the, the biggest income that they have for the cops and, and all the guys that split the loot, you see, is catching people on the roads. That, that to them is the ultimate crime because it pays well. Very quickly, most people never ever uh, contradict a, a, a ticket and go against a ticket for speeding or whatever. They just They just pay it. Easy money, you see for the court system. When the cops went on strike in Toronto, because they are, they're, they're owned right by the city, or at least hired by the city, uh, a few years ago, there was chaos at Queen's Park. That's like the, where the governor lives and the whole thing, when all these hangers-on, they call them politicians. And uh, they were desperate because they were losing something like 25 to 30 or to 150 grand a week in fines, just for traffic stuff and so on. So they include this coming crime in every year's budget. They need it, you see. They need it. If there's not enough money coming in, they create more laws and bylaws and all the rest of it until you can't help breaking laws. You see. Money, money, money. Crime pays for those who make the laws. But, yeah, it's awful. People don't know how bad it is in countries like Britain yet, but it's coming here very, very, very soon. And believe you me, as I say, they're going to control your calories and so on, uh, their food intake, and they will come down to home visits. They're already doing that in Britain with some families. By law, when they say they have obese children, they come in and they weigh them there, and they weigh the parents, because you're the example to the child, etc. Nothing to do with the GMO food and all the rest of it, the fact you can't metabolize this stuff properly. No, no, no. It's your fault for eating so much. So the government, the nanny state, is going to make sure that you eat what you're supposed to, something that's healthy for you, and they'll decide how much is healthy for you. And just like Orwell's 84, you'll start off in the morning in front of a big screen. I'm not kidding, because they're putting these cameras with screens in, in, in people's homes, by law, to watch them. Bedrooms, everything. And you'll be up in the morning exercising in front of some dominant uh, dominatrix, put it that way, uh, who would tell you to touch your toes and all the rest of it and talking directly to you, just like they did in the movie. Go and see that movie. It's coming, if it's not in fact here. Well, 
Net Daily had this article in it to do with Obama's environmental czar. It says he started a group targeting Beck, anyway. Uh, this here is, says, we can find this, go right down here. A lot of stuff in here to get down. I can't even find the date on it, in fact. If I can't find it, I'll just forget it. No, it doesn't seem to be coming up, this one. But yeah, I've looked at Obama's staff, and who's appointing, or at least appears to be appointing. I'm sure he's told who to appoint. But if you want to be afraid of the characters that are now in place, you should be very, very, very afraid because they all have incredible histories, incredible histories of belonging to even previous terrorist groups and stuff in a few days gone by, not too long ago, quite something. And here we go to with these, uh, this hype with the non-existent flu, this uh, swine avian mixture supposedly flu, <coughs> and um, the governments are going to incredible lengths to make sure we're all trained to run off and panic and get them. And they even have uh, uh, the beginnings of the campaign starting. Oh, there might not be enough. You know, get it while you can. And, and you'll, see, you'll see pensioners, like they did with the first flu, free flu shots, uh, punching each other in the queues waiting for them. That's how to get panic-stricken. Me first, me first. I want to live. I want to live, you know. And they'll come down with pneumonia and stuff like that once they get it. But this article is from naturalnews.com, August the 5th, 2009. Diseased African monkeys used to make swine flu vaccines. Private military contractor holds key patents. Well, I remember I mentioned before how the, actual, the big companies who make the vaccines are parts of the biowarfare industry. That's who the military uses. After all, they've got all the gear and so on. They're working with bacterium and viruses and all kinds. Uh, I read the article where that guy had actually, in the U.S., CDC, had got a hold of the killer flu from 1918 and inserted three genes into the common flu from it to find out if he could turn it into a killer. And he was very successful. Well, that wasn't a biowarfare lab down in Fort Dix. That was... That was actually in one of these big uh, vaccine companies' places. David in Washington. And um, it says here, um, to most people, vaccines sound medically harmless. They're good for you by the doctors and drug companies, but they never really talk about what's in those vaccines. There's a good reason for that. If people knew what was really in the vaccines, they'd never allow themselves to be injected with them, aside from dangerous ingredients which may, many people already know about, like squalene or thimerosal. One of the key ingredients used in flu vaccines, including the vaccines being prepared for the swine flu pandemic, is a diseased flesh of African green monkeys. This is revealed in U.S. Patent Number 5911998, Method of Producing a Virus Vaccine from African Green Monkey Kidney Cell Lime. And there's got a lot of data on that. Now, there's another caller from Washington. Is it, is it um, I think it's David. David, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, <coughs> you there, Alan? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention... Uh, Brian Greer, Common Purpose Exposé. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? I'm sure you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you talked about it? I don't recall it, but you made mention of it. I've watched the video an hour, 36 minutes, on a, a website last night. Yeah, I had, that, I had that out months and months ago. I've done that a few oh, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I just got a hold of it 
watching that video, I don't think I one or not passed mm-hmm. around here in the States where I live. But uh, it was really, uh, he's, he's very good mm-hmm. at uh, his presentation. Yes. Uh, I thought it was. It was excellent. Mm-hmm. Very thorough. <clears throat> and I just wanted to mention that and uh, see what you uh, thought about it. Is that, <clears throat> is that your perception as well, what he yeah, yeah, he's he's quite right that um, a common purpose came out of nowhere. It was set up with incredible funding, incredible funding by the big foundations. And its whole object is to bypass uh, the, the, the present system and bypass the democracy. And But it tells you, it also tells you by the members who come into it, even top-ranking members of the military, uh, who are not supposed to join any political organization, remember, while you're, while you're in the military. Um, that, that, that therefore, they've been given the go-ahead from a very high source that this is the this is the organization to join if you want to get ahead in life. And uh, they're, they're, they're given incredible power, this, this common uh, purpose. Amazing. I, it was just I was stunned to see how they're, uh, you know, we hear about all the other... Yeah. Well, what they're doing, what they're going, to, what they're doing is also going into the schools of trained teachers to to choose certain students who are really involved in socialism and train them to be the future leaders that one day they'll present to us, just like the Politburo used to get presented to the Soviets. That's what they're doing there. But mind you, they're also doing the same uh, back here as well, and in the U.S. Uh, that there's other organizations doing the exact same thing. Hey, what, is a, what is an organization here affiliated with Common Purpose? Uh, you'll, you'll find them under various systems to do with the foundation grants uh, for, for scholarships, uh, even the Rhodes Scholarship, too. They pick future leaders like Bill Clinton. I'll be back with you after this break. Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Is, is Dave still on the line? No, he dropped it. Okay, just to finish up with what David was saying there, uh, I think um, that there's a lot of organizations in the States. If you look under foundations of the USA, you'll and look where, where, who they support, you'll see name, organization after organization, young this, young that, and so on, that they, they supposedly help to educate outside of the school system, but also inside it too. They get into the school systems and have been for a long, long time. And I think it was was it, was it Charlotte Iserby who did the book, The Dumbing Down of America. It was The Dumbing Down of America. Also mentions a bunch of organizations through, through the educational system, through the teachers associations, etc., that have that. But don't forget Obama's um, new army, the, the youth army, basically, that, that, that he's uh, mandated this voluntary uh, sort of work you're supposed to put in, and he's expanding it into different age groups as well. And out of that, uh, by teaching ideology, a specific ideology, and that's what it's for, and I've read the articles on air about it, teaching an ideology, um, they will also create and choose future leaders to present to the public for you to go through the farce of voting for. So it's, it'll be very much like the Soviet system. Do you want to put a uh, Politburo number one, two, three, or four, or five? You know, well, which face do you fancy the most? And, and that's it. That, that's the system they're bringing in worldwide. Remember what they've said at the top, that democracy 
was too cumbersome. They couldn't get done all the things they wanted to get done, and they'd have to bypass it. And what they favored was collectivism. What they mean is the social system of the Soviet type uh, organization. That, that's what they're, they're, they're creating right now. We're living through it. We have been for quite some time. Doesn't matter if we're right wing or left wing, we've been living through it for some time. And most folk were fooled by the right wings and the left wing nonsense. Uh, this movement has gone on unabated, unabated. Even Winston Churchill talked about it for, for pretty well a hundred years through treaty signing from country to country with bureaucrats and high-level positions bypassing politicians altogether and going to their equivalent partners in other countries through the United Nations. H.G. Wells wrote about that in 1919. He says, now we can bypass the politicians altogether. And bureaucrats literally can go across the, the water, meet their compatriots in the same positions in other countries and make deals make deals to bring in world socialism it's been here all along all along and more evident in some countries than others definitely evident I'd say in Britain they went through the worst of it they had a, a financial depression there for I think ever a few years of brief recovery only because they were throwing credit cards at people and then took them off them again that's all that kept Britain going through the 90s because all the industry was just gone, shot down. Margaret Thatcher, this was a right-wing conservative, some call the coal mining industry. The coal miners were the only really powerful union in the country, eventually, because she decided to bust their strike and all the rest of it, their demands, by importing coal from communist Poland at the time. And that's what she did. She shut down all the British mines, which told, tells me that you certainly were not at war with the communists, when you'd sink your own coal industry and import coal from communist Poland. There is no right, right wing, there's no left wing, there's only one agenda. And the public, most of them, haven't a clue. Well, from Hamish, myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.